Well, some of you may know, if you heard me up here before, that I lived in South Florida for a couple of years. And during those years, the idea of the word frozen wasn't something we really dealt with. Unless you mean those days when we would put on the hooded sweatshirts and have bonfires, and somebody would say, man, it's really cold. And they'd say, yeah, I think it's like 65. Okay. And you laugh, but I'm not kidding. That was a real thing. But I'm from Chicago, so I do understand what it means to be frozen. As a matter of fact, my first year at community college, I remember January of 1994, it was 21 degrees below zero. And I'm not exaggerating, because I remember this distinctly, because it was the first time I learned that they will give you days off in college because of weather. And that was very memorable to me. Other images that come to mind is as a youth pastor, uh, especially when I was in my 20s, we would often play freeze tag. We'd be in a room like this, and everybody would be running around, and it's usually with high schoolers. And of course, when somebody freezes you, they tag you, you never just stop like this. You had to have some super dramatic pose, right? And you, you guys have played this before. Don't leave me up here. But, but the way we played wasn't that to unfreeze them, you had to tag them. We played you had to crawl through their legs, and so imagine high school guys, do you think they ever just took people's legs out? That was like the best part. So like somebody would be frozen and you'd go to crawl on your legs, but then you'd have to take them out too. And I remember that clearly. But of course, there is no way to avoid the first thing that likely comes to many people's minds when they saw the title of the message Frozen, and that is the 2013 Disney film featuring sisters Anna and Elsa and everybody's favorite lovable talking snowman, Olaf. And I know you uh, would love for me to sing some of the songs from that, and if you're good, maybe I will. But, but Frozen, we, we get what it means, but, but why are we talking about it now? Well, there's one more thing that I think of when I hear the word frozen, and that's that sometimes you and I can have frozen relationships. Other times, relationships can leave us frozen. And if truth be told, there are people right now in our lives that once we were close with them, and once we would say we had a good relationship, but then something happened, right? They did something, you did something, whatever it is, something occurred, and that relationship has been changed. It's cold, it's distant. Maybe it's even non-existent. Maybe you don't speak anymore, maybe you do, but something has changed. And maybe there's no hope in that relationship, but it perhaps has left you wounded, hurt, bitter, if you're tracking with me, just give me a nod. Let me know I'm not the only one who feel who experienced this. Great, there's five of us. That's pretty exciting, but liars. Um, find Matthew chapter 18 in your Bibles, and um, we're gonna talk about these relationships and what God has to say about them. Now, the book of Matthew was written by a guy who walked with Jesus, and his name was Thomas. Um, his, no, I'm just kidding. It's obviously Matthew. Matthew Levi was a tax collector. Some of you were like, I didn't know that. Um, Come on, guys. Uh, Matthew Levi was a tax collector, which meant that he was a liar, he was a cheater, and then he met Jesus and everything changed. Jesus changed his destiny, which is our story. Many of us in here were going along one way, and then Jesus changed us. And Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 is where we're going to start. And uh, Peter, Peter was one of Jesus' inner three. Peter was uh, very verbal. He was an extrovert. He was the, the, the guy who always had something to say. And so he says to, to Jesus in verse 21, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Other translations say 70 times seven. 
And so what's happening here is Peter's actually being very generous and spiritual because Jewish rabbis, Jewish teachers would teach that you needed to forgive three times. And so you, you do something against me, I forgive you. You do it again, well, I forgive you. You do it again, hey, what do you know? I will forgive you. You do it a fourth time, I'm no longer obligated to forgive you. And so Peter here is saying, hey, Jesus, you know, Peter's been watching Jesus teach. He kind of gets that Jesus is super compassionate and teaching this new way. So he thinks he's got a really good answer. He's like, hey, Jesus, right? It's uh, seven times, right? And Jesus, as he often does, says, "Mm, actually, it's a whole lot more than that. And 490 times, there's 77 times. No one's going to count that times. That's the point. And and the greater principle here is this, that there are no limits on forgiveness, And and more on that in a bit, stick a pin in that, we'll come back to that. But then Jesus illustrates this with a story, a parable. Maybe you remember the series we did last fall, it was called Parables. And a a parable is, uh, is a story that teaches something new by putting a truth along something familiar. And so that's what's happening here. So we're in Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed 10,000 talents. All right, a talent is a measure of gold between 60 and 80 pounds. And so the king is like, hey, who are the people that owe me? Bring me my servants who owe me money. Oh, what does this guy owe? A lot. And how much is it? Some people speculate it could be up to $12 million. So basically it was more than this guy could handle. And that's why verse 25 says, and since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave his debt. So he says, bring him to me. What do you owe? About $12 million, but I can't pay it. Please forgive me. I I can't pay it. And so the king's like, "Mm, I feel bad for you. Sure, consider it done. He forgives it. Can you imagine that? Don't you wish the, that King ran some of your credit card companies, right? It's not real life for us sometimes uh, when it comes to money, but uh, we'll make a great parallel here soon. In verse 28, then says, that same servant went out. So the servant who was just forgiven, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Uh, a denarius, some people think it was about 16 cents, but whatever it is, it's a day's wages. And he owed him about 100 days wages. So not nothing, but not millions, probably thousands of dollars. Right? So the servant was just forgiven. He goes out. There's another guy who owes him some money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, say, saying, Paying what, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will, will pay you. I mean, this sounds familiar, right? This is very similar. So he goes to the king. The king's like, you owe me 12, you know, millions of dollars. I can't pay it. Please forgive me. Please. Okay, you're forgiven. Goes and finds another guy. Hey, you owe me a few thousand. And he just, you know, choking him, you know, pay me what you owe. Give me the money. Show me the money, you know. And, and, and he's like, of course, you're, you're expecting, and I think any of us would, that he did the same thing, but that's not what happens. Verse 30 says he refused and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but it's very hard to pay debts when you're in prison. And it's easy to look at that and say, well, that's so ridiculous. Shouldn't he forgive? Well, that's how everybody else felt, because in verse 31, it says, when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. They were like, something's not right here. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. So his master summoned him and said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. 
And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So the guys are like, hey, did you hear what the guy you just forgave did? The king's like, that's ridiculous. Bring him back. And the king's like, that's how it's going to be? That's what you're going to do? You know what? Forget it. You owe me all the money. Go in jail until you can pay. But, but you can't pay in jail. Yeah, I know. Get in jail. And so Jesus turns this around then in verse 35. And he says, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you, and he's speaking to us, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Turn to the person next to you and say, uh-oh. Okay. <laughs> right? Jesus is saying, hey, look, my father, he's not going to forgive you if you don't forgive other people. Okay, but what Jesus really means, is, uh, time out. Let's be very careful when we're reading scripture and we come across something that's hard, something that requires us to change, and we start justifying it and saying, well, no, because theologically speaking, I'm still forgiven by the blood. No, no, no. Jesus means what he says. And, and, and I don't know about you, I don't want to get before him and try to theologically reason my way out of things. I don't think that would work out well. And here Jesus is saying this. Here's the principle. He's saying forgiveness matters. He's saying this is a big deal. This matters to God. And so I wrote down a few things about forgiveness, and we'll go through those here. And the first one is this, is that forgiveness is a decision. Forgiveness is a decision. Now maybe right now I might already lose some of you because you're thinking, yeah, but you don't know what they did. You don't know what he did. You, you, don't, you, you expect me to just, okay, first of all, please stop yelling. All right, you guys get a little animated sometimes. But second of all, second of all, Let's define forgiveness. Let's get on the same page. Forgiveness is a decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Let me say that again. Forgiveness is a decision. Yeah, this is a good thing to write down. Um, forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Uh, there's a pastor that I like to read his stuff, and he said this about forgiveness, and I thought it was really good. He said, forgiveness comes in two parts, a crisis and a process. And that's what this is all about, okay? Because I want to illustrate this, all right? There are two parts to forgiveness. There's the crisis, and then there's the process. And so what's that all about? Well, the crisis is when you choose to release a person from the obligation resulting when they injured you. It's the crisis. Crisis just means turning point. It's a decisive turning point. It's a decision you make. I choose to forgive, he says, I, I, I'm not going to try to get even. I'm not going to look for vengeance. I don't want bad things to happen to that person. I'm no longer focusing on the offense. I've released him. The crisis, that's the decision. That's us saying, I'm going to forgive. But after the crisis comes the process. That's where the deep healing takes place. See, here we say, I will choose to forgive. But in the process, we say, I will treat you like it never happened. And some of us say, well, there's no way I can do that. So, so we don't get here. We, we think so far ahead and we say, well, there's no way I could ever pretend like it didn't happen. And so we never choose to forgive. Well, we'll first hear this. No, no one is ever saying pretend that the event never happened because it did happen. Say it out loud. Say it happened. But what we are saying is it happened, but I'm not going to be frozen by it. And the only way that we will ever not be frozen by the things that other people do to us is, and I think you'll remember this, is to let it go. See what I did there? But you'll remember that, right? The only way to not be frozen by the things people do to us is to let it go. When you make the decision to release that person from the debt formed because of their actions, when you choose to no longer focus on the offense, you've released them. And there is freedom in that. There is freedom because we carry these things around with us. 
And so the, the crisis is that decision, is that turning point. But the process, well, let's get a little bit more into the process because there are some rules to the process. And so I was thinking, how do I clarify to everybody that I'll be teaching that, uh, about the rules? And so I thought about who's good at making rules, and I thought, well, referees are. And so I brought this wonderful referee jersey, and so I'm going to put this on. Excuse me while I get dressed in front of all of you. Are thinking, are you a professional referee? Because that looks good. Thank you. I am not. Basketball, though, is clearly my thing. I was thinking through, <clears throat> I did no study on this. What are some of the basketball, you know, ref signs? I think, isn't this traveling? Maybe. And then I was thinking, uh, then there's uh, high sticking. And I, I played hockey in high school, so I get a little confused. And um, that's literally the only one I know. Double dribble is that one. And then uh, I saw this a lot when the Pacers were playing, the refs were doing this. Well, I don't know what that means. Um, but am I wrong? All right, so there's some rules here. I, I just really want to do this. All right, so listen up. Here's the rules in the process. There's three of them. If you're writing stuff down, you want these. Number one is, all right, so we've come to the decision. I'm going to forgive, but how do I do that? Number one is, I will not bring up the offense to the person except for their benefit. That's the rule. That's the process. I am no longer going to bring it up. doesn't matter how mad I am. I'm not going to be like, yeah, but if you didn't do this, because I've already made the decision, I've hit the crisis, and I've let it go. And so here, that's one of the rules. It's not easy. Second thing, I'm not going to bring the offense up to others. Hey, I heard uh, that person did this. Yeah, you know, I don't really talk about that. Why don't you talk about that? I'm just trying to let it go. Right? So I don't bring it up to the person unless it benefits them. I don't bring it up to others. And the third one, and this is, this is really hard, I don't bring it up to myself. I don't replay it in my mind. I don't dwell on it anymore. How can you possibly do that? You're not alone in this. This is why we have the Holy Spirit in us. God, help us. This is not easy to do. And then the process of forgiveness is not quick. It's not clean. And when you falter in the process, sometimes that will happen. And it's just, all of a sudden, you see that person again, and it brings back all these feelings, and you're just like, I still can't believe you did this. What do you do? I messed up. I go back here to the crisis. I go back and have another crisis and say, but I forgive them. And I'm going to keep working. I'm going to keep going. Because sometimes we fall back into those patterns of resentment. Sometimes we just have to revisit the crisis, and we have to choose to forgive over and over. It's a decision that we make. I don't want to wear this for the whole time, so excuse me for a second while I take this off, but this feels really uncomfortable to do this in front of all of you, but we're all adults here. Forgiveness is a decision we make. And as Jesus, how many times should I choose to forgive? Choose to forgive. And the master decided to forgive his servant. And then the servant made a choice, a decision to not forgive the guy who owed him. You see, it's not easy. It's not quick. Forgiveness is messy. And not only is there a process that follows the crisis, the decision, but there's going to be a lot of decisions in that process. So forgiveness is a decision. And I told you I'd get back to this. Some of you doubted. Some of you were thinking, are you ever going to talk again about the unlimited part? And yes, I am. And here we go. Number two, forgiveness is unlimited. So we already saw how Jesus told Peter to blow past the generous seven times by seven times or whatever the number is. And for some of us, that seems impossible. We say, I've forgiven too much. I've already forgiven them so many times. 
I would love to give you an example of a way that I'm working through this, but to do that would violate the process, the rules of the process, right? <laughs> Isn't that kind of, it's kind of difficult, but I will tell you this. Hey, forgiveness, it is not easy. It happens daily. But you know what? 1 Corinthians 13, 5 says this about love. It says that love does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. And it says that love keeps no record of wrongs. You ever noticed that before? Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love is you before me. See, it's not about me. Love does not keep a tally of how many times we've been wronged. And Jesus has called us to love others. And this is surely, this is the thing that the world knows about Christians, right? About followers of Jesus, that they're supposed to be loving. And love is you before me. And forgiveness is unlimited because it starts with love. Well, but how much? Unlimited. That's why Ephesians 3, 17 and 18 says that I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have the power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp, hear this, how wide, long, high, deep the love of Christ is. His love is unlimited. His love is wide, it's long, it's high. It is unlimited. And too often we treat forgiveness like it's our data plan, right? Unlimited. It's unlimited, but then in the fine print, it's not really unlimited because it slows down a little and then there's more, no, 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 no. No, this is like really, really unlimited. When Jesus tells Peter, forgive 490 times, he's saying this. He's saying, forgive so many times that it becomes a habit. Forgive so many times that you default forgiveness. Somebody does something, bam, you're at the crisis right away. This will be hard every time. This will never, this will never be easy. But the, but the crisis, the more you forgive, it won't be a question of whether or not you'll forgive. Of course you will, because that's what followers of Jesus do. And so Jesus is saying, hey, do it so many times that it just becomes a habit. Do it so many times that the crisis, you just default to that. And it's, it's possible now that some might be hung up on the depth of the offense against you, or maybe even the character of the person that you need to forgive. You don't know this person. They're terrible. They're never gonna stop doing this thing. I want you to hear this. It's okay for you to no longer be in the situation where they can continue to injure you. And maybe you need to get out of that relationship. Maybe you need to get out of that job, that group, whatever it is. And I recognize for some, it's like, well, it's my brother, so I'm not. If there's a way for you to remove yourself from that situation, you, you don't have to keep putting yourself in that place where you get injured. But that's not the same as letting it go. You know, we don't have to stay under it, but we're still called to let it go. And I want you to hear this, and if there's one thing you hear me say, let this be it, that there are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. No enduring relationships. If you want to have long-term, authentic, life-giving relationships, there will have to be forgiveness in the equation. At some point, there will be forgiveness on both sides. Think of the longest relationships you have. Unless they are super surface relationships, there has been a point in that relationship where you have had to forgive and they have had to forgive you. Forgiveness is a decision that we make and forgiveness is unlimited. And third, forgiveness starts with Jesus. Forgiveness starts with Jesus. So why did Jesus tell the parable we're talking about? What was the whole point of contrasting the, the servant, having it forgiven by the king, and then not forgiving the other guy? Well, if you have a Bible, which it's neat seeing some of you look down, flip to the right and find Ephesians chapter four and hang out there for a second. 
you, you got to have your Bibles in church just so you guys know. Like, it's really important if you own a Bible because, like, what I'm saying isn't that interesting, but what God says changes our lives. So, I mean, that's why we want to bring the word of God. If you have it on your phone, that's cool too. But you and I, we were once in a frozen relationship with God. And in a room this size, there are many who are likely still in that place. And we're just glad that you're here. But our sin has caused a gap between us and God. So it's like, we're here, God's here, sin is in the middle, and so we're frozen out because we can't fix that on our own. But God loves you. God loves you so much that he put on flesh, he came down, and he took the penalty for your and my, you and my sin on himself. He did that because he loves you. And that is literally the greatest thing you will ever hear. But in that, we have to act on it. You want to know the whole message of the Bible in four words? Here it is. Jesus in my place. Jesus in my place. And that's it. But is it personal? Is it real? And did you know, funny enough, glad I have these up here because that is a crisis you come to. That is a turning point, a decision where you say, I need to be made right with God. I need my relationship with God unfrozen. I can't do that on my own, no matter how good I am, good I am. Uh, but, but Jesus has done that for me, so I grab a hold of that. And then taking a message like this morning and growing from it, this is part of the process called sanctification, where God changes us. He makes us more like Jesus. Now look at Ephesians 4, 32. And it says this. It says, to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving as Christ has forgiven us. Everybody just take a deep breath. Some of you just spit on the person in front of you. I'm sorry for that. But God forgives us. And those who respond to Jesus by trusting him to be made right with God are forgiven. 1 John 1, 9, to all, it says this, it says, if you confess our sins, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And in the same way that he's done that for us, he's saying now, look at that, ver look at that verse, 1 John 1, 9, says that if we confess our sins, and look back at Ephesians 4, 32, Forgive each other in the same way that he's done it for us. So just as he has done it for us, we have to go do it for the others. The servant was forgiven by his master, so then did he do the same for others? Nope. But aren't we a lot like that? Take a survey of your life right now. Are there people that you are making a decision to not forgive? They injured you, they were wrong. But they're not asking for forgiveness, not the point. We don't, wait till they ask for forgiveness because we're the ones who carry that around. And I see nothing in this about uh, uh, wait until, it says pretty clearly here, be kind and compassionate to one they're forgiving just as God forgave you and then to, as long as they ask. No, it doesn't, doesn't say that. The point is we should recognize that we've been forgiven for a debt that we could never, ever, ever, ever pay. It's incomprehensible what God has done for us. And he has unfrozen our relationship with him and the Bible says that he remembers our sins no more. And God's not absent-minded, right? If you're like, God, remember when I did this? He's like, oh, I'm trying, but I just, it's been a long week. I can't. God's like, of course I remember, but I'm choosing not to. Like, I could remember, but no, I, I, I'm not going to remember. And, and, and I'm gonna tell you this, the things that people have done for us, they, they, they matter, are done to us, they're, they're bad. But we've done worse to God, far worse. And he has forgiven us. He decides to remember our sins no more. Tell the person next to you, that's awesome. You better do this, because this is awesome. And in the same way, we should do this for others. So many of us in this room have received forgiveness. But have you really experienced forgiveness? When I was in high school, uh, I went on a, on a mission trip 
to Reynosa, Mexico. That's me. It's okay, you can laugh. I just want to point one thing out. This is, I don't want to get too off track, but there, there are three guys, uh, well, a few guys in that picture. Two of them are ladies' men. Guess which one wasn't? There's me with the hat on the bottom right. Then you got my friend Ryan, he's got around the girl. Mike has got the two girls. That was my life in high school, but that's a whole nother. It worked out well for me, it's okay. So uh, I, I came to faith in Christ. I had received um, forgiveness, I had received grace. But it was on this trip when I really experienced God, when it became real. And I walked the streets of poverty and I saw kids who uh, literally just had, had very little. I, I got to talk to people who had been following Jesus and, and they, were, they were in poor, the poorest conditions I'd ever seen as a 17-year-old. And all of a sudden I just recognized, I was like, why is it like this? And I just had to wrestle with these things. I experienced God in a real way. See, we can receive things, <clears throat> excuse me, but when we experience them, that changes everything. And so maybe you don't really understand what God has done for you. Your sins are gone. The, the thing you did last night, the thing you did this morning, it's gone. He's nailed it to the cross. If you've asked for forgiveness, if you've gone in because of what Jesus did, it's gone. That is awesome. Oh, oh, you did something terrible to me? Well, he's forgiven me, so I can do the same. And so I just wonder, have you experienced his forgiveness in your life? Because you can't share it until you've experienced it. You know, the result of that mission trip for me, I wanted to share the experience, and I've led over 20 mission trips in my life. I've been to Mexico over a dozen times with teams, teens, and I've poured my life into ministry for over 20 years. Because when we experience God, we just have to do something about it. Jesus has forgiven me, and so I can move on from whatever the injury was against me. I can have the crisis. I can make the decision. I'll walk through the process. I will not bring this up. I will let it go. And so right here, right now, in this place, there's the opportunity for many relationships to be unfrozen by the grace and the power of God. Let me just emphasize again that none of this is possible without experiencing what Christ has done in us. None of this is possible without the power of the Holy Spirit. This isn't willpower, right? Because this will be way too hard. But when we have perspective, when we have the Spirit and what he's done for us, we can, we can make that decision. The process, it'll be impossible. There's no way we cannot bring it up to them. There's no way we cannot bring it up to others. There's no way we won't bring it up to ourselves except for the power of Jesus Christ working in our hearts. We just, we need him. And there's the opportunity for many of us to let him do what only he can do and walk with us through forgiving someone who's injured you. And, and so maybe there's a name that's been coming up in your mind. I need to forgive who, who, who comes in the mind. And the Holy Spirit is saying, let it go. It's time to start working through the process. Well, well when should I do that? Now, today. Hebrews chapter three says, today if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. The idea is if you hear God speak, don't wait. Because when you wait, that's a trick Satan throws on us. He's like, you can just do it later. We, we don't ever do it later, right? We forget, we get busy, he distracts us. And so if the Spirit right now uh, is, is saying that to you, just, just say that prayer back to God. Help me start, help me start working through and forgiving this person. It's time to do business with God. And we would do this because he has reached into our lives and forgiven our junk. Pastor Tim Keller says this. He says, um, when I am bitter and unforgiving, what I'm really saying in my heart is I'm better than you 
and I would never do what you did. And that struck me because last time I checked, God's a lot better than me. But he has still forgiven. And I don't want to say that to anyone. I don't want to choose to not forgive and say that I would never do what you did. I'm better than you. You're like, I would never say that, but that's what we're saying with our actions. God could say that to all of us because he would never do what we did. And he is better, but he still forgives. That's pretty awesome. So let's not be people like this. There are no enduring relationships without forgiveness. We don't have to live in frozen relationships. Humble yourself, let it go, make it right. And so we've said forgiveness is a decision. We've said forgiveness is unlimited. We've said that forgiveness starts with Jesus. And the last thing is that, and we'll finish up with this, is forgiveness brings freedom. See, everybody wants freedom. But without it, we live a frozen life. We live a life in prison. And some of you might know that a couple weeks ago, former New England Patriots player Aaron Hernandez ended his life in prison. And I don't presume to know all the things. I've read some of the things. It doesn't matter. But the point is, you just got to wonder if there was a part of his thinking that said, I'm in prison. I'm never getting out. Like there's other stuff, but it's like, I mean, you don't have to stay in prison. You don't have to stay in the frozen bitterness that comes from people injuring us. He had no hope of getting out. He was never getting out. You and I can get out because how, how do we know that? Well, John 8, 36, Jesus himself says, if the son has set you free, you are free indeed. If Jesus has set you free, you're free. So live in that freedom, but don't by not holding on to the ways you've been injured. And with forgiveness comes freedom. And so you were in Ephesians 4 before, and I read verse 32, but I want to just point out the verse right before that, verse 31. It says, to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. You see, this is what forgiveness does. It gets rid of these things. Without forgiveness, we end up being full of bitterness, anger, malice, and more. And forgiveness brings freedom. Those frozen relationships start getting thawed out when we forgive. But when we live in unforgiveness, we end up making things colder with our bitterness and anger and so forth. So how do I know that I'm, the process is working? How do I know that I'm really forgiving this person? Well, because the bitterness is less. It's going away. The rage, the anger, the slander. You know what I mean. Sometimes just the thought of that person no longer brings that, that anger feeling. When you have an opportunity to slander them, you, you, don't, you don't do it anymore. That's how you know that God's changing your heart. That's how you know that you're letting it go. And so at Eagle Church, we like to say that we are about helping people live everyday life with Jesus. If you want to live everyday life with Jesus, you forgive you go to the crisis often. You default there. You do it so much, it just seems like it just, that's just what you do, and you work through the process. And We help others do the same. And so sometimes, in my experience in life, I've walked away from church, all different places I've been, and said, what am I supposed to do about that? This is not one of those Sundays. Here's what you do about it. You let it go. There, there is somebody that all of us I mean, I just want to say, and I, I, I hesitate saying it because I don't want it to sound, but like this kind of has wrecked me a little bit because for me, I thought I was doing well in forgiveness and then I read Ephesians 4.31 and it's like, well, I thought I had forgiven, but why do I still feel bitter? Why does that anger still come up? 
Why, why do I still want to say things? Well, because I'm still working through it, because I'm still in the process. And those rules have really helped me. I'm not going to bring this up to that person. I'm not going to bring it up to others. <laughs> and the third one I'm having a hard time with in some things. I'm not going to keep bringing it up to myself. I'm not going to replay it. God help us as we try to grow. But to live everyday life with Jesus, you either you walk away today and you let it go and you start the process. And so a good way for us to end here this morning is to acknowledge our own need and dependence on God. And so I'm gonna pray for us here in a moment and then Ryan's gonna lead us through a song where really we can just acknowledge our own need for God. And look, I know that there's gonna, we're gonna take the offering during this time too and it's just part of our, you know, what we do here to worship. Don't, don't, this, you're not done, okay? You came all this way. It's kind of like running a race and you get to like, you can see the finish line and you just kind of stop. No, no, take this all the way home this morning and then let this be a time where you are acknowledging to God, God, I need you. Reveal to me where I need to let it go. Reveal to me where I need to get there right now. Reveal to me how I can start that process. Let's pray together. And so, Father, I, I'm so grateful for Jesus and for the way that you have forgiven me because apart from that, I would have no hope There'd be no purpose to my life. But you have been so good. You have come into my life. You have changed everything with that, ex allowing me to experience you in a real way. And so would you help all those within the sound of my voice to truly and sincerely let it go? As you bring names to mind of people that have injured us, and with, that, with those names is probably gonna come some anger and some bitterness. God, we just confess that to you for what it is. It's It's sin. And would you forgive us? Would you change us? And would you help us to hit that crisis, reach that crisis and say, I'm gonna make a decision here. I'm gonna let it go. And help us to work through the process. Let during these moments there be names going through our minds and hearts and, 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 and words coming off of our lips just to you and you alone saying, I forgive my dad. I forgive my mom. I forgive this person. Let this be the start of something beautiful as you form the image of Christ in us. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.